I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. He produced Right Place, Wrong Time, that great Dr. Oh, John yeah. song. I was in the right place. Wrong time. Boy, we're really trying to honor <laughs> Alan Toussaint here. And with the naming of the street, and I feel like we may be really hurting the brand with our no. singing of these songs. I have Omicron. Did I mention that at the beginning of the episode? It's not affecting your singing voice at all. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, welcome to the Best News Podcast from LiveWire, brought to you by Alaska Airlines. This is the show where we talk about what is good in the news, even on weeks uh, when I have Omicron. <laughs> this would be one of those weeks. Hi, I'm Luke Burbank. Right over there is my friend, Elena Passarello. Hi, Elena. Hey there, Luke. How you feeling? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I am doing okay. I'm glad for your sake that, that we record this thing from different locations, because I don't think you want to be in the studio with me. This is exciting, though, because this is the maiden voyage of the Best News Podcast. So this is a segment also on our radio show, Livewire. But it was so popular that the people, Elena, demanded that we actually turn it into its own show every week. So here we are. This is our first episode ever. Woohoo! It was one of those, like, um, you know, petitions that people yeah. will put up. Door to door. Make the Best News. Yeah. It, this Signatures. one was virtual, though. And it had, I think, I, last check it was like 6 million people had said, yeah. make the best news its own podcast. So, uh, so here it is. It wasn't just popular demand. It was popular insistence. It was. And there was a legal um, yeah. you know, framework that was being created. If, if, if we weren't able to do this, they were going to take it to Congress. It was going to become a whole thing. So here we are, <laughs> giving the people what they want and what they need. What, what's uh, good in your week so far? Oh, like personal best news? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, what do you, what's, what's the best news from Elena Land? Well, it's dry January. So you would think that it would be kind of a dry news week. But I am happy to report that I have stumbled upon, with the help of my talented bartender partner in crime, David. Is that hard when you're doing dry January like so many people do, but your husband is also a professional bartender and creator of amazing, delicious drinks? Uh, I think it's the opposite because Mm. he loves a challenge. And so I'm like, make me the perfect dry January cocktail. So, and it adds to the ritual because he's trying all these different recipes every night. And um, I think we've stumbled across one that is actually going to see me through January. We did like a cucumber mint thing. We did a kind of a gingery thing. And by we, I mean him. 
I, I just did the drinking of it. Mm-hmm. But this is my favorite. I'm sort of like, I like a heavy drink, like a bourbon cocktail, kind of like an old fashioned. And so this one is pomegranate juice, fever tree tonic water. He says it has to be that kind of tonic water. Lime juice, a little bit of light agave syrup, and one of those big, gorgeous ice cubes. You put it in a highball glass. Yeah, like is it is it like a, a shaved into a into a like a baseball shape or is it a square? What's the shape of this ice cube? We have, you know, we got like for like a dollar at the kitchen store, a square kind and a round kind. So mm, we just volley fancy. between whatever it actually has ice in it. I don't think it really matters. It's just you want you want like one big beautiful rock in the middle that kind of just keeps everything cold and fizzy and special. It's so good. It's so complex. And I drink it in like the same glass I would normally have my like whiskey in. And I mean, I'm only 10 days in, but it's, it's really, you know, uh, smoothing the journey, I guess we could say. (laughs) Isn't it surprising how just ritualistic a lot of that stuff is around having an adult beverage? I have gone through, you know, extended periods of time not drinking and what I always realized was what I mostly what I want is something in my hand something mm-hmm. cold some something that I can kind of when the conversation lulls not like it would ever lull on the best news podcast ever Elena. ever ever not even for one second that's no. what we have editors for but like <laughs> just to take a sip of kind of rhythmically throughout the night in fact when I uh, am not drinking I'm also off off the sauce for a little while myself Woo-woo! here it's, uh, is what, when I would, you know, like before the pandemic and before big, large indoor gatherings were the kind of thing that will get you in trouble if your friends hear about it, mm. I, uh, you know, I'd be like at a party and there would be one moment relatively early in the night where I would think, gosh, having a drink would feel kind of good right now. And then I would have, you know, like a club soda or something. And as the evening progresses, you become more you feel more and more good about that decision to lay off the drink <laughs> as everyone else is disintegrating around you. It's never been like twelve thirty and I'm at a bar with my friends and I'm not drinking that I'm like, God, I wish I would have been drinking with these people this night. Like I'm having a yeah. nice time, but I'm very much enjoying being sort of in my right mind at that hour. I'm just not gonna go out until it's over. That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> but, work. but I need like, I can't just have a thing in a glass. Like it has to have some kind of a flavor thing that has a little bit of a bite to it. Cause I was right. trying to just drink like ginger ale or hot tea, but no, like I, I need, I need that glass and it needs to be, I mean, complex isn't the right word, but it needs to have a kind of a weird kind of cocktaily kind of a taste. And I'm telling you, man, this thing does it. Does, does it have a name? Is this just a David invention? It is right now just called a David invention. What should we name it? It's got pomegranate. And it's dry January. We hmm. could call it the pomegranate Reno. That's a Janet Reno reference. Yeah, there you go. It's been a while since we thought about old Janet Reno. Well, my brain cells are regenerating because of the lack of yes. alcohol. So my memory is just like, like. By like the end on. of this month, uh, <laughs> you and I are both just going to be sharp as, as tax. If I make it through this, this whole Omicron thing, which I guess my, the not, Best news from my week is that I did finally test positive for this. I say finally because it just feels like... You travel a lot. I travel a lot for my various job stuff. And also, I just know so many people who have been getting it and mm-hmm. you know, people who are vaccinated and boosted. It's just breaking through a lot, which mm-hmm. is one of the things that's that's not great about it and can kind of make it feel almost overwhelming and like a little hopeless if you if you're wearing a mask like I do and if you've gotten all of the shots and if you're following the CDC's guidelines, and then you still get it. But I have to say, the best news is that these vaccines work. 
Like, I mean, the fact that I'm recording a podcast with you, right, and not, you know, not like speed dialing in- an urgent care clinic or something <laughs> is a testament to you know. It feels like this has been going on forever, and in a way, like this pandemic has been going on for so much longer than most of us expected. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of time for them to have come up with these vaccines, which are highly effective, mm-hmm. and get them actually, you know, checked out by the various entities, the FDA and the like that have to sign off on them, getting all kinds of great, you know, monoclonal medicines that they can use if unfortunately you do happen to um, have a case. Mm -hmm. Like the science around this thing, I feel like sometimes we don't talk about it enough because it just feels frustrating that you can still get Omicron. Right. But again, it's amazing how effective these things are that I'm standing here talking to you and, and not in way worse shape. Yeah, it's incredible news. And I'm yeah. glad too, because gosh, what would I do if I What on if you had recording- to solo host the first episode of the Best News podcast? <laughs> it would <laughs> all like- just be cat cat related. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to clip your wings and I don't want to like get inside your head on any topic choices, but I will be curious, like at the end of this whole Best News podcast project, to go back and look at what percentage of your stories are going to be cat related. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to make a... It's going to be a very, very high percentage of your stories. Or we'll start another podcast, which is just me rambling about cats for 45 minutes a week. You got a name for that one? Catnit Reno. (laughs) That exact joke went through my head and I was like, that's beneath the dignity of this new podcast. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about some of the best news out there in the wider world. I want to tell you what's been going on in Australia, Elena, uh, off the north coast of New South Wales. There was a 17-year-old lifeguard named Lillian B. Young, which is not just a Chuck Berry song. Also, (laughs) apparently the star of this story. This is um, something that happened in Bungjalung National Park. They do not mess around with the naming of things down there in Australia. Okay. So Lillian B. Young, she's 17 years old. She's about to be a, we would call it a senior in high school. Okay. It's her first summer as a lifeguard. And it's her third day. She's never made a rescue. And uh, she says that she and one of her co-lifeguards look over on this like set of rocks that are kind of right on top of where the water is crashing. Mm -hmm. And there is a kangaroo (gasps) <gasps> that's standing on the rocks and then all of a sudden gets swept away out to sea Oh no! by a giant wave. So all these people that are on the beach are freaking out and they look over to Lillian B. Young and her co-lifeguard, both of them still in high school. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? That's always a, a shocking experience, I think, when you start to get to that point in your life where you realize you're kind of the authority figure in a situation. Yeah, yeah. It's like somebody called the adult, and then you look around, and you're like, oh, crud, I'm the adult. Right. You are a <laughs> professor. I mean, you teach students all the time. Are you used to that feeling of, like, walking into the classroom and and thinking, okay, I am the ultimate, you know, authority figure in this situation? No, and it only lasts for about, like, 20 seconds, and then I can't figure out how to turn on the computer, and the students realize how much, <laughs> like, animal print clothing I'm wearing, and they just are <laughs> like, we're in charge here, aren't we? <laughs> Well, Lillian B. Young grabbed her like rescue surfboard. Okay. And sprinted out. Rescue surfboard. That's what they use. Is that what it's called? She jumped on her rescue board. Wow. I know, right? It's Australia. Everything is kind of cooler there. And she swims out to where the kangaroo is, out in the ocean, thrashing around. Mm. Can't touch the bottom. It's. She said it was keeping its head above water, 
but it didn't know where to go. It couldn't really like compete with all of the uh, you know tumult mm-hmm. of the of the water. So she, from her surfboard, gently guided the kangaroo back to where it could actually stand up. And even then it was getting knocked down by the waves. Oh my gosh. And then she just like continued. There's photos of this and video of her just <gasps> gently helping shepherd this soaking wet, very confused kangaroo out of the water onto the sand. And then of course it's just like off like it a just shot. It takes off. Cause they're, I mean, you can't like pick them up or anything. They have like claws and stuff, right? I've seen the videos of them boxing people. I don't think you really want, actually, you know, I was in Australia a few years ago, uh-huh. and I drove from the very southern end of Australia all the way to the to the northern tip, from um, yeah up to Darwin is the very kind of northern part that I was in. And as you drive along this thing called the Stuart Highway, just kind of right through the the, the heart of the country, all I wanted was to see kangaroos, like live kangaroos, and we just never saw them. Unfortunately, we saw some kangaroos that had tried to cross the road and it had been unsuccessful. Let's just put it that way. Mm. But I never, I couldn't ever see live kangaroos just in their element. I, I thought it was going to be like driving through Iowa and looking at cows. I thought they were just going to be like in the pasture, just right. kangaing it up. <laughs> but so finally it was like my second to last day there. And I was in this mining town called um, Tennant Creek. And I went out for a little morning jog and I came around this bend and I'm in the outback at this point. I'm in like legitimately in the outback. And I came around this bend and there was just a whole, I don't know, what do you, you know everything about animals. What do you call a grouping of kangaroos? Uh, Rusical. <laughs> Fosters of kangaroos. <laughs> there was a, whatever you call it, a herd of kangaroos. Like to say, it was a couple families. I think it was some moms and some little ones. And they just like looked over at me. And then they just sort of scattered up this hill. And it was like they were moving so gracefully and so fast. It was like they weren't even touching the ground. They just, gl- they were gliding up this hill. Really? And I was just out. Yes. And I started crying. <laughs> like, Aww. I was emotional because I was in the outback. I saw these beautiful animals. I saw them doing their thing. It was really, Aww. it was really something. Would you have felt that way if you would have known, as I just learned, that the collective noun for kangaroos is a mob a mob no, of kangaroos. It didn't feel. It doesn't sound like all. a mob. That's not what you're describing at all. No, that sounds like they hang out outside the grocery store and, <laughs> and <laughs> make people feel uncomfortable. They a like mob of kangaroos. <laughs> yeah, they they toss a coin up and down, but then it lands yeah. in, their, in their little pouch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, this was like an inspiration of kangaroos. Oh, I love that. It really was, and because it was also like the it was the moms and the the joeys, which is the little ones, yeah. and like they just. It was so cute. It felt a little bit like I was in that. Um, what's the, what's the the the, the movie that uh, the Avatar, <laughs> like those Navi, like alien creatures from that other planet? They're like very graceful and sort of odd to us. That was like what I saw. It was beautiful. So oh. I um I'm glad to hear that there's one more a beautiful kangaroo doing okay down there in uh, Australia. Thanks to old Lillian B Young, who seems like she is really cut out for this lifeguard. Yeah, life. she guards all forms of life, not just human. Yes, she does. You know what? Why? For so long, we just think lifeguard means you're only guarding human life. Guard nope. everything that's out there. Uh, what's the best news that you're seeing out there in the world? Oh, this is great news. Great news for music fans. So there's a street uh, up in the northern part of the city of New Orleans that heretofore has been known as Robert E. Lee Boulevard. Hmm. 
And mm. a lot, a lot of like a lot of uh, buildings and streets and parks and things that bear the name of uh, people who participated in the Confederacy. Folks are kind of interested in renaming those places. Same with I can this see road. Why. Yeah, and I'm happy to report by unanimous vote, Robert E. Lee Boulevard in New Orleans is now going to be named after Alan Toussaint. Do you know Alan Toussaint? I know it's jazz musician, right? Yeah, well, kind of jazz pop. Um, honestly, I didn't know that much about him until 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit. And one of the things I kept on hearing from all of my music friends is Alan Toussaint lost everything. He lost all oh. of his studio and all this stuff. And I was like, who is this guy? And it turns out he has written or produced some of the most important songs, some of the most singable, you can't forget them songs of the 20th century, the late, the second half of the 20th century. Lay it on me. Mother-in-law, mother-in-law. That's one. <laughs> really? Yeah. How about this one? Working in a coal mine, going down, do, do, down, do, do, down. Do, do, Working do, in do, a coal do, do, mine. Do, 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 this do. is like one of those Time Life record series. <laughs> oh, and you know what other song he did? You know that Glenn Campbell song, Southern Nights? That's oh, Alan that's Tussaud, so too. so funky. <laughs> yeah. I'd never heard that song before uh, until recently. It had somehow escaped my, my awareness, and it's so good. I love all of the different types of musicians that wanted to sing Alan Toussaint's songs. Everybody from LaBelle to the Detroit Cobras, this really great garage rock band from Detroit that I love. And also the uh, Otis Redding song, Pain in My Heart. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. Now, okay, the, the recording of Pain in My Heart, the Otis Redding recording, just kills me because there is a moment in the song where clearly the microphone gets totally overdriven. Mm -hmm. This feels like the kind of thing that just happened much more during this era of recording. Yeah. Where there would be these just beautiful little mistakes, if you will, totally. in the recording process, but because either, you know, uh, tape was, or, or records at one point were more expensive to work with, mm. and, and you know, studio time was probably hard to come by. They would just sometimes leave imperfections in, and there's this moment in Pain in My Heart where... He's, he's singing so kind of emotionally that it overdrives the whole thing. And it like is my favorite part of the whole song. Yeah, it makes sense. That's this guy who the street is named for. Alan Dussant. Yep. He also wow. produced that amazing, he produced, he was mostly known as a songwriter and a producer until uh, after Katrina, but he produced Right Place, Wrong Time, that great Dr. Oh, John yeah. song. I was in the right place. Right 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 wrong time. time. Uh, Boy, we're really trying to honor <laughs> Alan Toussaint here and with the naming of the street. And I feel like we may be really hurting the brand with our no. singing of these songs. I have Omicron. Did I mention that at the beginning of the episode? It's not affecting your singing voice at all. <laughs> I can do the low parts a lot better now. I wonder if you could do the low part of probably his most famous production, Lady Marmalade by LaBelle. <gasps> Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? <laughs> so he produced all those things. He arranged the horns for one of my favorite concert films of all time, The Last Waltz. Those are oh, his, yeah. you know, like they, the, that great Dr. John song, Such a Night with those great horns, all the great horns that they do all the band parts with. And then, you know, uh, after Katrina, when he moved away from New Orleans, he started performing and kind of made a name for himself recording with Elvis Costello and Joe Henry and 
there's a, a L.A. state health officer who was part of this decision to rename this street in New Orleans after him. And he says every important piece of New Orleans music in the past half century ran through Alan Toussaint. He is, if you saw that TV show Treme, he was all over yeah. it. He's just a real staple of the history of that town. The councilman who nominated him says that Toussaint represents the very best of our city. And now... He's got a street named after him, which I think is just so cool, especially because they're remembering somebody who has kind of did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. He didn't do much live performance until this century. He was always the guy that wrote the song, not the guy mm. that sang the song. And naming a street after somebody that has that kind of a contribution, that level of visibility, I think is also super duper cool. Yeah, it is. I want to say one thing yeah. on the subject of Lady Marmalade. Oh, of course. I was at a karaoke <laughs> night uh, a while ago. And somebody got up and did such a good job at that song that immediately everyone else wanted to take their songs back who was waiting in line oh, after her. Oh, yeah. And I just want to say, like, there is a level of karaoke that's really fun, and then there's a level where you're ruining it for the rest of us. Yeah. We entered that territory. That song is so good, but so hard. At this yeah. woman at 21st Avenue Bar and Pub <laughs> in Portland, she... She hit it so far out of the park that everybody just left. It just cleared the room. So just know, you know, with great vocal cords comes great responsibility. Don't do that song at like eight o'clock at night. Okay? No, no, don't close the house with it. You know what my Lady Marmalade memory is? My family didn't have a lot of sweets in the house, but every once in a while, my mom would just get a real craving for a Shoney's hot fudge cake. And <laughs> okay. she would sit on a Saturday night, she sent me and my stepfather out to get it. And they were playing, this was in the eighties. So there wasn't a lot of 70 songs cause it was kind of like that period before the nostalgia uh, kicks in. And they were doing some kind of an oldies night Saturday night while we were waiting for the hot fudge Sunday in the parking lot of Shoney's. And that song <laughs> came on and my stepfather, who I think was in the Navy when the song was popular, he laughed so hard. I had no idea what they were singing. I was like seven years old. They were like, Voulez vous coucher avec moi? And then at one point they go, So silky smooth. And he, he was a pretty taciturn guy, you know, not like super expressive. And he was doubled over in his Datsun 280Z, idle it in the parking lot of the Gwinnett County Shoney's. Just like, just laughing his face off at that song. Every time I, I hear that song, I think of him and how, for some reason, that just that's that just obviously brought back such a world to him that he he couldn't even contain himself. <laughs> it's so strange the things that our brains hold on to from our childhood in terms of just snapshot moments. Yeah. And as the adult, you never know when those moments are being made. No. You know, at, like my daughter will, will something. Will, my daughter's about to be twenty eight now, but we'll just be talking about something. She'll go, oh, like that time. You know, in 1998, when you did this, you know, (laughs) we went to that Red Robin and you got mad at me because I ordered a Shirley Temple and uh, it was $3 extra. Like, it's so weird, the stuff that imprints on your sort of young brain like that. Yeah. And for the parent, it's like, it was Wednesday. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's beautiful. I think those are two very good things happening out in the world. I think that's a, this is a strong start. (laughs) <laughs> for the new Best News uh, podcast. I want to tell you, coming up later this week, we're going to be talking to Connor Ratliff. Speaking of great podcasts, yes. he has this podcast called Dead Eyes. And the premise is, Connor Ratliff was cast on Band of Brothers, this HBO very prestige miniseries with Tom Hanks back in, it was like 2001. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And he was very excited about the role. And he was filming for the role and then found out that, in fact, he was being fired from the role because... 
The story goes, Tom Hanks watched the footage of him and said he had dead eyes. Mm-hmm. And this whole podcast is Connor Ratliff trying to figure out why that happened, if he has the story correct. He interviews a bunch of other people from Band of Brothers. It's a really amazing project. So you want to tune in for that. Also, we're going to talk to Mickey Kendall on uh, what a more inclusive feminist movement might look like. So the idea that feminism, uh, in Mickey's view, has often prioritized the needs of some women above other women, and she wants to figure out how do we get everybody to the table on that. So we're going to talk to her and music from one of my very favorites, Faye Webster. Woohoo! So that's all this week on Livewire. Do not miss that. Before we get out of here, a thanks to everyone who's making this show possible. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Our assistant editor is Trey Hester. Molly Pettit is our technical director and our mixer and our theme, our snappy new theme, which sounds yes. like the best video game you've ever played in your <laughs> life. I love it. Our new best news podcast theme was composed by A. Walker Spring. Uh, thanks also to all of you, our listeners. Thanks for everyone for tuning in here on our, uh, our, our maiden voyage. Uh, we're going to see you soon. So uh, until then, go out there and have the absolute best week. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed and you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And if you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.